0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Case in Point, the podcast that interviews impact leaders about the critical trends driving social change. I am your host, Erin Worsham, Executive Director of the Center for the Advancement of Social Entrepreneurship at Duke University. And I'm coming to you from my home in North Carolina, where I, like many of you, am sheltering in place due to the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID-19 has made our team at CASE think a lot about the work that we are doing to support the social impact and impact investing communities in this time of need. We had a full season of the CASE in Point podcast planned, but with current events have decided to truncate the season so that we can focus our efforts on providing the tools and resources that can help impact organizations navigate this troubling time. On that note, please check out covidcap.com, where we have a database that includes over $1 trillion in relief resources available to small businesses and nonprofits. Or check out our new series, Scaling Through Mass Disruption, video interviews with social impact leaders sharing their advice on how to navigate the current crisis. But in the months before COVID-19 and before developing those tools, we had recorded some great conversations. And so although the conversations likely would have been very different if we were having them today in the midst of COVID-19, we still thought it would be valuable to share them in the hopes that they'll bring some bright spots and some inspiration to your day. So with that, welcome to season two of Case in Point. We're going to kick off with a conversation with Bart Houlihan, co-founder of B-Lab, about the role of business in society. Now, before we jump in, a little bit about Bart. Prior to founding B-Lab, Bart was an investment banker, and also over the course of many years successfully scaled and sold and won a basketball, footwear, and apparel company. And it was through that experience of scaling and selling end one that Bart and his partners realized the challenges and the opportunities that came with trying to run a socially responsible business. And they felt that there had to be a better way. So they founded B-Lab, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to using business as a force for good. That means that BART is at the front lines of truly historic conversations about the purpose of business. Conversations that are asking, is business only responsible for maximizing financial returns for shareholders? Or should business be expected to balance the needs of all of its stakeholders, including employees, communities, and the environment? So I'm excited to share this conversation with you. And as we jump in, where where I wanna start is with a question that I asked Bart. I asked him why he believes that business should and will play a role in solving social problems. And even though this interview took place before COVID-19, I think his response rings even more true today. And so I thought it was a great place to start our conversation about the shifting role of business in society.
1: Capitalism
0: is facing
1: a crisis right now. And though I am bullish, I am bullish because I believe business leaders are awakening to that crisis. Uh, That crisis is born from environmental degradation that is accelerating far more rapidly than anybody anticipated. And the uh, you don't need to be a scientist to understand what's happening with the climate crisis. Uh, you know, you can look literally to the last six months, whether it be the Bahamas underwater, or the Amazon on fire, or rolling blackouts in Northern California, or Venice facing a 50-year flood. We were told coming out of the summer that we're rapidly moving towards the extinction of a million species. Hmm. Uh, so you have, one of the greatest threats that humankind has ever faced, becoming far more uh, evident and obvious to business leaders, at the same time that whether it be Paris or London or Santiago, Chile or Lebanon or Iran or Hong Kong, you have people taking to the streets about the uh, massive, accelerating inequality in society we're at a place right now where two-thirds of the world's population owns less than two percent of the assets. Forty-two people, 42 people have more money than half of the population. And so part of my bullishness is that these obvious crises are now front and center for all of us. Mm -hmm. And sadly, um, at a moment when we are, to some degree, in some places, I don't want to overly generalize, a government's advocating their their responsibility for those issues. Mm -hmm. And so I think business leaders recognize the challenge and see the void in leadership and are trying to fill that void. Mm -hmm. And I think you saw an awful lot of that around the uh, Paris Climate Accord and the reaction from the major business community. I believe this is just an extension of the accelerating crises coupled with growing awareness that business has to be part of the solution. It just has to be.
0: Now, even though this interview took place before COVID-19 began, Bart's call for the urgency of social change needed and the shift we need to see in the purpose of business is even more true today. So, in the rest of the interview, Bart and I talk about that changing role of business, the hope that he's seeing, and the challenges that certainly do lie ahead. We start by talking about B-Lab's theory of change, and how they are growing a global movement, currently over 3,200 certified B-corporations around the world but also that that movement is, is now shifting, shifting beyond just those 3,200 B Corps to now include interest from large multinational corporations, companies like Unilever and Danone and many others. So let's jump right back into the conversation with Bart and listen in as he explains B-Lab's theory of change and then about how the movement is continuing to grow, including larger multinational corporations starting to get involved.
1: So first, a bit of education, because I'm sure not everybody understands what we're trying to do at B Lab. And so let me just start with our theory of change uh, really quickly. Uh, And then we can talk about the certification that's driving that theory of change, Mm -hmm. and then how it applies to public companies. I love you're a
0: great social entrepreneur telling us your theory of change. Fantastic. I
1: think it has to to be nested in the context. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to uh, essentially build a movement of people using business as a force for good, to create a more inclusive economy. That's the vision. The approach is easy. We certify leaders as a certified B corporation, mm-hmm. we shine a light on them, and then we encourage others to follow. Mm-hmm. 3,200 certified B corporations, 120,000 or so companies following using our tools. Okay, All of which is trying to move all of the business community towards using capitalism for change. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's the Real quick context. The certification, you gotta do three things. You gotta take and pass an impact assessment that looks at your impact on all of your stakeholders. You have to be transparent with the results. And then to make sure that that's not temporary, you have to change your corporate governing documents to be legally accountable to considering the impact of your decisions on all of your stakeholders, not just your shareholders. And the reason why I wanted to provide that context, it is that last requirement Mm -hmm. that is really challenging for a public company. Mm -hmm. After you've already had your initial public offering, you have tens of thousands of investors who bought uh, a certain governance structure, a traditional corporation. And to be a certified B corporation, you have to shift that Mm -hmm. to what we call a benefit corporation. And that—that that is that uh, new legal form that requires the company not just to make a good financial return, but also consider employees' community, the environment, and their governance practices, mm-hmm. and their customers as well, right? And so that shift, once you've had the IPO, was hard to do because it requires a shareholder vote. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, that shareholder vote is a supermajority vote. You need 66% to actually convert into a benefit corporation Mm -hmm. and so for that reason our work began with small medium enterprises and is now migrating to uh, public companies Mm -hmm. we built a community of you know three thousand plus uh, beautiful innovators using business to alleviate poverty and rebuild communities and regenerate the environment and based upon the credibility of that community we now are getting interest from the Unilevers and Danone and 64 other major multinationals who are interested in how they begin to engage with us, Aaron, is typically they find a subsidiary mm-hmm. to try the certification. And so um, Unilever has, I think, nine uh, subsidiaries that have been certified, ranging from Ben & Jerry's to Sundial to Seven Generation and a host of others. Um, Danone has actually come out uh, publicly to say their intention is to certify Groupe the parent company. But to do that, they're going to go subsidiary by subsidiary. We actually uh, certify from the bottom up to make sure all of the companies are living into these practices and obligations. And so they so far have certified, I think, around 40% of their overall revenue base. And they're adding between 20 to 30 new subsidiaries every year. They have 160 different subs. Mm, wow. And so I think they're targeting at 2030. Certification date Mm -hmm. is what uh, Emmanuel Faber, their CEO, has come out and targeted. Mm -hmm. And so they're uh, among our leaders, but other ways that people engage, some multinationals are using our tool for their supply chain, you know, that impact assessment you use for certification. Mm -hmm. Erin, it's free, it's a public good, anybody can use it. It's got best practice guides and resources built in, and it's intended to be kind of a roadmap to improve your impact. Many of those multinationals are now asking their suppliers to use that tool after they used it internally, right? They used it themselves. They said, this is super helpful for me to uh, to manage, measure, and improve my social and environmental performance. And they're asking suppliers to do the same. We have some who are using it with their uh, investment portfolios, right? They're asking um, companies they invest in to use the tool to measure, manage, and improve. And so there's a variety of ways to engage. Ultimately, ultimately it will lead to uh, major multinationals certifying. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's an exciting time for us. Uh, and the beautiful challenge is to scale with integrity, right? to figure out how to make sure you maintain the rigor and the credibility of the certification that is truly an exclusive certification mm-hmm. while building an inclusive movement and welcomes others to the party.
0: Now let me take a quick pause here in the midst of this conversation with Bart, because I just think it's so interesting to listen to Bart's reflections on the growth of the B Corporation movement and how he's seeing this growing interest from multinational corporations that want to use the same tools to measure, manage, and improve how they're using business as a force for good. And what's really fascinating about this moment in in history is that these are not a series of isolated conversations that are happening only in impact communities. We're starting to see these conversations about the role of business happening on a much broader scale. For example, here in the United States, an association of CEOs of America's leading companies called the Business Roundtable Released a statement in which they said that the purpose of a corporation should no longer be solely focused on shareholders, but for the benefit of all stakeholders. Given that Bart is at the leading edge of this shift from shareholder to stakeholder capitalism, I was so excited to get Bart's reflections on the significance of the Business Roundtable announcement, what he thinks will come next, and importantly, how we can each contribute. So let me bring you back to Bart, and I'll let him explain a little bit more about what the Business Roundtable is and what their announcement included.
1: The Business Roundtable is a collection of CEOs, American, I think exclusively, uh, that represent some of the largest companies in all of the United States. Um, 181 of them came together uh, to sign An announcement around the purpose of the corporation Uh, fundamentally uh, in their mind shifting corporate purpose from uh, an organization exclusively focused on shareholders to one that is operated for I think their words was uh, the benefit of all stakeholders and that was released in August of 2019
0: and you know, being here at a business school, it sent a lot of ripples. There was a lot of discussion about this announcement, 181 companies. It was a, yeah. a huge moment yeah. in the the conversations around capitalism. That's the world that you're living in every day at B Lab, talking about the future of capitalism and how do we progress the the way we think about and and operate in in our uh, in our business economy. So tell me a little bit more about the response that B-Lab had to the Business Roundtable announcement. What did you do?
1: Yeah. So um, importantly, uh, I want to begin with uh, the significance of the announcement. I think it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is an indicator of a cultural shift that is happening uh, more broadly than just here in the United States, uh, moving us from a, a... 20th century paradigm of shareholder capitalism to a 21st century paradigm of stakeholder capitalism. and To have folks like Jimmy Diamond and uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Tim Cook come out and say there's a new purpose for the corporation is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's meaningful mostly from a cultural perspective. Um, B Lab has been working on uh, the idea of stakeholder capitalism now for 13 years. We have a community of 3,200 leaders who uh, not only are measuring whether they're uh, taking care of their stakeholders and being transparent about uh, that performance, they also are legally obligated to consider those stakeholders. And so we collectively came together with our community of leaders and welcomed the Business Roundtable to this movement Mm -hmm. uh, and asked them uh, to get to work with us on taking the beautiful announcement and putting real actions Mm -hmm. behind that announcement. Because uh, if I was, um, to be honest, Aaron, I think that we are at a point in history where we gotta be beyond announcements and proclamations and principles and put Action behind those words, and so we're super excited to work with those 181 leaders to put real legal accountability, mm-hmm. real metrics, and real transparency around the idea of stakeholder capitalism.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's go back to that question of why this moment, why you know what prompted the BRT to put this announcement out now. Um, so what's what's your thoughts there? I think it is uh, in response to.
1: Um, growing interest in stakeholder capitalism from a variety of different constituencies. Uh, you know, I think the data now is showing that consumers, 80% of global consumers, are expecting businesses to balance societal interests with business interests. When you talk about workers, that number goes from 80 to 86%, mm-hmm. because where people work, they want not just money, but meaning out of their work. And so you have a growing interest from employees in having purpose-driven careers. Obviously, the impact investing field is the fastest growing sector of the financial community and that uh, growth has been beautiful over the last uh, decade where we're now seeing, I think, one in five dollars invested in the U.S., professionally managed, invested with intentionality around sustainability. And so all of those indicators are putting appropriate pressure on those BRT leaders in other large corporations, that if they want to improve consumer loyalty, uh, have greater access to capital, and probably most importantly, attract and retain the next generation of talent, they have to move this direction. And that has happened at the same time where, where, where data around whether this isn't just the right thing to do, but a better way to do business is becoming more prominent. Mm. I think for a long time, Aaron, people thought that this was concessionary,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that if you made choices to be more engaged in managing your environmental, social, or governance practices, ESG, uh, it was in some way going to hurt your bottom line. And the data is pretty overwhelming now. And it's been out for quite some time that strong ESG practices leads to more resilient companies and long-term profitability and value for all.
0: I love hearing you talk about your your vision of of capitalism and seeing things like the BRT announcement where where companies are, like you said, being pressured by consumers, by employees to start to take more of Mm -hmm. that leading stance in in the role of, of a corporation. Flipping to the consumer view, so, you know, many of our audience members and and all of us here included are are consumers of some of these companies. What should we be demanding from the companies? What could we be doing from our stances and standpoints to be able to accelerate that movement towards more stakeholder uh, capitalism and engagement?
1: So... Uh, I certainly think consumers have enormous power. Uh, What's interesting to me is those same individuals have more power as workers Mm -hmm. than they do as consumers. If you ask any business leader, uh, Aaron, uh, business is a competition for talent. Right. And the latitude and power you have as an employee in a tight label market, which is where we're at right now, about demanding more from your current employer that's authentic and transparent with real measurement of whether a company is making progress in this area is uh, massively powerful, massively powerful. Uh, and so my, my first uh, recommendation to the audience is your, your very first lever is where do you work And what do you ask of that employer? I think you have enormous opportunity to move the needle first in your
0: workforce. What are the questions you think they should ask?
1: Uh, You know, it begins with measurement. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you can't manage what you don't measure. And uh, even though uh, ESG and impact measurement is still a relatively nascent field, there are real tools out there that can be used to evaluate, manage, and improve your social and environmental performance. We're just one of more than a dozen tools that exist that uh, are broad, and then there are m- dozens more that are uh, industry-specific, Aaron. And so it it needs to begin with uh, measurement coupled with transparency. You have to be transparent with folks, not only the areas that you're excelling, but areas for improvement. And so what I would first demand of my employer is, are you measuring something other than just your financial
0: return? As Bart mentioned, the Business Roundtable announcement was such a culturally significant moment. And we'll all be watching closely to see if those words do indeed turn into actions, especially as businesses increasingly face pressures and trade-offs as they navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. And the resulting economic fallout. We'll certainly see more in the days, months, and years to come. But given the urgency of the social challenges that we started this episode talking about, I do hope that we take the opportunity to focus on how business can play a role in building a more resilient economic system for the future. And as Bart said, recognizing that it is not just the right thing to do, but a better way to do business to ensure long-term profitability and value for all stakeholders. Thank you for joining us today on Case in Point. Keep an eye out for the last few episodes in our truncated season, where in addition to this conversation on stakeholder capitalism, we'll talk with Jordan Caselo, founder of VisionSpring and iLiance about systems change. And we'll also have a conversation with Omid Sate, the head of impact investing at Prudential Financial, about the mainstreaming of impact investing. Some great conversations coming to you. So continue to listen in to Case in Point, and we look forward to sharing more conversations to come.